2: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Golden State
3: Warriors did exactly what they needed to do and Draymond Green was a huge reason why they were able to do it. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny today on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus. We are presented by our friends at Progressive Insurance and there is so much to take out of Game 2 yesterday afternoon that evened up the NBA Finals at a game apiece. But to me, number one thing has to do with what Draymond Green was able to do in getting under the Celtics' skin early in that game. There's been a lot of discussion, a lot of debate as to whether or not he should have been ejected. I don't believe he should have. Chris thinks he absolutely should have uh, when he got tangled up with uh, Jalen Brown later on, but Chris, he didn't, and... I think that really set a tone for the Warriors in this game. They did what they do in the third quarter. That That's what they're just used to doing. They yep. didn't blow it in the fourth, but th- that had a lot more to do with it
2: for me than anything else that Draymond was really able to get under their skin. Well, let's call game two what it had to be for the Golden State Warriors. Like it, it, had, it was a must-win situation. We've never seen a team down 0-2 come back in the NBA Finals when they lose those first two games at home. Mm-hmm. It's never happened. So Golden State had to get that win before they went on the road for Game 3 in Boston. And Draymond Green played with that kind of urgency. And he was the type of player that that Golden State needed him to be. We saw what happened in Game 1 with Al Horford and Robert Williams being able to dominate the painted area and be real difference makers in the complexion of what Game 1 turned out to be. Draymond Green couldn't allow that to happen. And he no. didn't allow that to happen. He was... Not just the, the the effort guy and a guy that, that displayed his defensive prowess, but I think from an emotional standpoint, he gave the Golden State Warriors what they needed in terms of the attitude, the chippiness that they had to have and they needed to play with in order to get game two and really make it as lopsided as they did in the second half. We know that Golden State is known for being able to have these huge third quarters, and they did not disappoint in this one. I mean, at the end of the... Uh, with four, a little over four minutes left in the third quarter, you're talking about this being a six-point game. Yeah, and then Golden State goes on a 19-2 run, capped by Jordan Poole knocking down a 40-foot three-pointer <laughs> in the quarter. Like I mean, but but all of that stuff to me was was basically Draymond being the catalyst to create an opportunity like that. So, got to give credit where credit is due. His impact on the game goes beyond the box score. But if you really needed some box score stats to point to to try to quantify what he did, just look at what Robert Williams and Al Horford did in this game. They combined for four points and ten rebounds. They were non-factors. And that was the biggest difference to me in what happened in Game 2 versus what we saw in Game 1.
3: Meanwhile, Draymond asked on SportsCenter after the game about the fact that he was not ejected after that entanglement with Jalen Brown.
0: This is the NBA Finals, and... Um... You know, I, like I said, I wear my badge of honor. It's not that
2: I'm saying they necessarily treat me different. I've earned differential treatment, and I enjoy that. I embrace that. But I'm never going to let someone stand over me. I'm a man first. My kids are in the stands.
0: I don't, I don't play by, like those type of games. And so whatever happens at that point happens.
3: Now, you didn't earn it. That's a, a silly comment, to earn preferential treatment in that situation. No, that's not what it's about. What it's about is that Draymond is a player that makes a major impact on the game. Yep. And the officials are going to be more hesitant to tee him up a second time and eject him from the game than they would be with a little bit of a lesser player. You may look at that as unfair. You may look at that as exactly what he's talking about. No, this is just the fact, it's not like getting the benefit of the doubt on a foul call. Yeah, It's a little bit different than that. It was the officials not wanting to run a guy from the game who can have a major impact on it, especially when it was in the first half of the
2: game. Yeah, there was enough gray area right there for Zach Zarba and Tony Brothers to hide behind. And, and I that's think they were exactly, right to do it. And that's exactly why they did it. They didn't want to decide the outcome of the game. And if you kick Draymond Green out in the second quarter, that's exactly what you're doing. Like yep. You're deciding that the Boston Celtics are going to win that game. And in effect, the Boston Celtics will win the series because they would be up two games to none with the series shifting back to Boston. I mean, under those circumstances, Carlin, I, I know we don't want to be dismissive of a team that has championship DNA like Golden State. But if they're down 0-2 going to Boston, Golden State could get swept. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that, that, that's... And so the referees don't want to make that kind of decision in that moment, and I get it. But as a former player... You don't want it to be a sliding goalpost in terms of what's a technical foul and what's not, because we both agree if Draymond didn't have a tech at that point in the game, they would have been they would have issued a double technical to him yes, and Jalen Brown. Absolutely. So they I just would've. don't like the inconsistency behind how they dole out technical fouls. That would be the only problem that I have with what happened with last night. But uh, I mean, the other thing that we also have to consider and how the referees could have been under pressure in that situation. Think about the NBA Finals back in 2016. the The story behind that Finals was Draymond Green being suspended because he had accrued a certain amount of technical fouls in the postseason. That's the story about. That is when that series changed against the Cleveland Cavaliers. If you're an official, you want no parts of being being involved with the narrative like that in the 2022 NBA Finals. But to me, that that was justified for what Draymond did.
3: I mean, he kicked somebody in the groin at the time. This was not that.
2: This was not No, this that. is not a groin kick. Uh, ironically, it's still Draymond Green's legs finding themselves in some very peculiar places <laughs> on opposing players. But, I mean, uh, yeah, no, it wasn't that. But when you look at the escalation in that play, yeah. that's the part that bothers me. Like, Draymond <laughs> wrapping his legs around Jalen Brown's head He's not cool. And then I Draymond
3: he didn't wrap his legs around
2: his hands. He head. did. He his did. legs ended he, up no, on top of him. No, no, no. He, legs, I, he didn't, moved he, his legs with was Stop. No, no, stop it. around his Stop head. trying to give Draymond Green stop. the benefit of the doubt. But then he pushes, he pushes Jalen Brown when he's on the ground. See, he pushes the guy. Jalen Brown's wrong for trying to get Draymond Green's legs from off his head? No. And then Draymond pushes the guy. And then he incites an altercation like that. I think it's absolutely ridiculous what Dre did. And, and then his explanation post game is just, it, it, it's its its even more outlandish. Well, maybe, I don't like it. I don't maybe, like it at all.
3: Maybe there is something else that the Celtics should have done to push Draymond even further. Brian Windhorst was talking about that this morning with C.J. McCollum on Get Up. Of course, C.J., the Pelican's guard, is working for ESPN as an analyst, but here's Wendy bringing up, maybe Jason Tatum should have really stepped in here.
4: Well, the thing about it is is that I think Jason Tatum's got to do some film study here. You got two of the most cerebral players I've ever covered sitting on the set with you. Jason Tatum has got to let Jalen Brown go here. Let Jalen Brown get the double technical. Do not pull him away. He's making an instinct to protect his teammate. You got to realize that that Draymond has has a tech. And the thing about the NBA, this isn't a published rule. Guys like Draymond Green, Luka Doncic, Rasheed Wallace back in his day, the threshold for them getting their first technical is very low. The referees almost come out halfway to a tech on those players. But the threshold for their second technical is very high, and it is extraordinarily high in a playoff setting. Nobody's more aware of it than guys who are used to playing a majority of their games with one technical sitting on the books. So, when Draymond gets his first tech, which you know will happen again in this series, all hands on deck to bait him into the second tech. Play his game back at him.
3: And listen to C.J. McCollum, because he was very much on the same page with
4: Wendy. You're right, and I think that's where youth comes into play. So he should have let him go. No. He should have let Jalen Brown go. You let Jalen Brown get the technical or Grant Williams comes into the game and – when you're having those altercations with the pushing, you escalate a little bit more understanding that you can
0: get technical.
4: You're only you you you're, you're eliminating the heart and soul
0: of the Warrior team. Obviously, Steph is the universe, mm-hmm. but Draymond is the sun at times, right? He
4: initiates the offense. He rebounds. He's the energy. He's the defender. He's the one that's all over the court kind of manipulating. You see the Warriors' offense without him when he was hurt this season. Mm-hmm. It was completely different. If Draymond
0: gets ejected out of this game, Boston wins going away, and now they end up going back home up 2-0, but I think Moral of the story is Tatum didn't want Jalen getting involved. But in this instance, if this was Damon, I, I would have said one of us, one of us has to take this technical if he gets in our face because really? there's a chance that he gets thrown out. And there's a chance that I just get a technical. So who cares?
3: You know, it, it's something that most fans would not even remotely think of. But Chris, I mean, it's it, it's a terrific point that in that spot for Jalen to keep going at him. It's worth it if you can really take him over the edge.
2: Not, no doubt about it because not only are you talking about getting Draymond tossed for that game, that game, but you're talking about Draymond Green having five technical fouls and being issued a warning. You know seven technical fouls in the postseason issues an automatic suspension for one game, which is what happened in the 2016 finals. So, you know, you could be talking about a scenario as we get late into this series, and we both believe it's going to be a long series. Where you're talking about Draymond Green having to miss, you know, a pivotal game. So I, I just I, I think it's a missed opportunity by the Boston Celtics, but this is a learning lesson too for a very young team. This is an opportunity where you realize this is what competition at this level of the sport is all about. And so you can't miss these opportunities to be able to affect the game and dictate the complexion of the game by getting a guy like Draymond Green-Toss. say espn eight 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 seven two nine three
3: seven seven six Should he have been ejected? Roy is up next with Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Roy, what do you think?
1: Man, look. Oh, my God. Draymond just, to me, fellas, I'm not being, you know, Draymond to me plays dirty because of the stuff that he's been doing. And just because he's just an impact player, the rest are afraid to uh, tee him up again. I don't care if it's the first minute of the first quarter. You do something like that, that's ridiculous. Get him out. I would, if I was the Celtics. Hey, you guys, we need to work on. If this was Detroit Pistons, they would be working on getting whoever out. That's what they should do because they know Draymond. Okay, let's, let's 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 give him a taste of his own medicine. That, that's like fine, say, but
3: I. In that instance, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that what he did, he should have been ejected over. I didn't I didn't think it was enough to get thrown out of that game last night.
2: I hear where you're coming from. We we both disagree on that because we, you know, we're acknowledging that if Draymond Green had not had a technical, that that would have been called a technical foul. And so that that's where I'm at with it. Just the yeah. consistency of the call. I don't think that you move the goalpost just because a guy has one technical, even though the result would be that player being ejected. I disagree with that. I know JVG, Mark Jackson, they agree with the discretion that Zach Zarba and and Tony Brothers used in that situation. I disagree with it, but I can understand how a ref wouldn't want to be a part of the narrative of that game and of that series. Now, that being said, what Draymond Green did is absolutely ridiculous. You shouldn't be allowed to do stuff like that. No, no. Because you have the potential to incite an altercation that gets physical, something that creates an ugly scene, and you don't want to do that on the biggest stage that the NBA has to offer.
3: There is something else going on that's odd with Draymond Green right now. There's, There's somebody he can't stop talking about. We're going to hear from Draymond in just a few moments. Tune in to the ESPN Daily podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily wherever you enjoy your podcast. Canty and Carlin in for a greenie. Also next, the Warriors do have one major problem on their hands. We'll explain in just moments. We're in for Greeny on ESPN Radio.
4: Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash today. That's Macy's.com One hundred
3: gift 107-88 win. Warriors over Boston to even the series at one. We knew
4: we
2: had to come out and play with force on the defensive end. 15 steals is indicative of that. I thought our whole team
3: was physical and intense. We did a good job of uh, trying to make things difficult for them little bit of semi-breaking news per Woj, mm. NBA-related, as you would expect. Uh, the Hornets coming close to ending their coaching search, meeting with Mike D'Antoni. Michael Jordan is later this week. Kenny Atkinson, who's, of course, on Golden State's bench, will meet with Jordan
2: as well. uh uh-huh. <laughs> oh no no no! I'm not mad about that one, man. I, I like. I, Kenny w- I Atkinson. would love Kenny Atkinson getting I, that again, job with Lamelo Ball. What we were talking about
3: earlier—a guy that can really develop a team—and
2: he develops a point guard. Yeah, think about what he did for D'Angelo Russell's career. Yep, turned him into an all-star. Think about what he did He was did a re- bust coming from the Lakers.
3: Yeah, I mean Jared so, Allen, all those guys, Spencer so think, Dinwiddie, these so were guys. So think who about what
2: Kenny Atkinson can do for LaMelo Ball, yeah. who is a young and up-and-coming star.
3: I know, I can't get excited by the Hornets. I don't know if it's just a Charlotte thing or uh, I
2: get excited about LaMelo Ball and what he could be. Yes. I think he can develop into one of the faces of the NBA. I think that kid is that talented.
3: He's exceptionally talented and I would like Kenny Atkinson more than Mike D'Antoni. Of course you way.
2: would. Of course you would. But uh, I'm just saying, I agree with you, but with D'Antoni, you know he's going to put up video game stats. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that I don't want teams to play defense. I enjoy video games. Like, I
3: used to love watching those Suns teams with Nash and Q. And those but you guys knew play. they were never
2: going to win anything. Uh, of course you did. You knew they were <laughs> never going to win anything.
3: Not win a thing. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Tony. You get a chance. Tony, what's going on, bud? You're next on ESPN Radio.
2: Hey, guys. Great, great, great
0: conversation. But I think what people are missing with Draymond is Draymond is playing them like
2: a fiddle. And what you see is the difference in mental toughness of a three time champion versus a young team. They're focused on Draymond, and Steph and the rest of them are blowing them out of the gym. completely agree with you. You're absolutely right. That is the difference between experience on the NBA Finals stage and guys that haven't been there before. And we came into this series and we talked about the disparity. Golden State had over 100-plus combined games of NBA Finals experience, and the Boston Celtics had a combined zero games of NBA Finals experience. At some point in this series, that was going to show up. And it showed up in game two. And I think that was a great point. The mental toughness that it takes, knowing that the officials would let you play right up until the edge when it came to the technical fouls and being ejected. That, that, that's Draymond Green playing the game within the game. And that absolutely makes a difference in terms of the psychological advantage that his team had from that point on.
3: There is one thing with Draymond I don't get. He keeps talking about Kevin Durant. Here he is after the game, (laughs) uh, just discussing Steph and Durant and everything that had transpired with the Warriors.
0: Our offense is always a lot of Steph. It all starts um, with Steph. Whether, you know, when KD was here, our offense still started with Steph. And, you know, that's that's the way it's going to be. Why is it
3: that he keeps bringing on, bringing KD up as a topic when it comes to talking about the Warriors' greatness? Does it have to do with the fact that Uh, it's now being debated whether or not uh, Steph is actually a top-ten player of all time, and people say, well, he wouldn't have been able to win without Kevin Durant.
2: Is that the deal? I mean, to me, that's the only thing it could be, Carl, and I I don't see another angle to this why Draymond would frame it in the post-game of the finals like that. KD is not on the other team. KD is not playing for Boston. Mm. KD is on the couch somewhere. KD's on vacation. Why are you bringing up KD when you still have an opportunity? I guarantee you, to K- KD's not thinking about Draymond unless Draymond well, he might, brings no, no, him no, no, up. No, 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 no. KD is thinking about Draymond. Now he will. No, no, no. He's thinking about Draymond now because Draymond Green was the one that said, "We don't need you. We want a championship before you got here." Well, Remember that? That's how things started to crumble when KD was with the Golden State Warriors after they had won a couple of championships. I should have been
3: clear. It, Dr- KD's not thinking about Draymond if Draymond doesn't bring him up.
2: KD is thinking about leaving making a decision to leave the Golden State Warriors and come to Brooklyn with Kyrie and what the last three years has looked like for the team and for his career and for his legacy. So there's no way that KD is just like, oh, well, you know, I'm just on vacation because I'm out of the playoffs. No, he's watching the NBA Finals because he could have been in this situation with the Golden State Warriors. We said it before, he left a better basketball situation in Golden State to go to the Brooklyn Nets. So I can understand why Draymond and the Warriors would be on KD's mind. What I don't get is why Dre is bringing them up after game two, after they get their first win in this year's NBA Finals. It makes absolutely no no sense. sense. Except for the fact. But it's the second time in a week. It's except for the fact of what you brought up, though. The conversation about Steph Curry being a top ten player all time and not having a Finals MVP and revisiting what those championships look like. You know, the first one they won, obviously, without KD. But then the two they got with KD, KD was finals MVP. KD was viewed as the best player on this team. Draymond is trying to control a little bit of that narrative in order to have his guy steps back and let everybody know, no, Steph Curry is an all-time great, and Steph Curry should get the nod as a top-ten player over KD because of how he changes the game and how he dictates what we do on the offensive But next. let me ask you this question. If they didn't have KD,
3: would the Warriors have won either of those two championships? Probably not. You don't think they would have won one of them? Probably not. See, I think they would have won one of them at least, and Steph probably would have been an MVP in the finals at that point. I mean, they were
2: seventy-three and nine and
3: lost in the finals. Yeah, I know, but they also had won a title with, without him before, so I wouldn't think that they couldn't have won one of them without him then if they didn't have him.
2: I mean, listen, it sounds good, Carl, and We'll never be able to prove a hypothetical. I mean, but what I'm simply saying is this: the fact of the matter is, they haven't won a finals. Championship. This is only the second Finals game that they've won since Kevin Durant hadn't played for the Golden State Warriors. Like since he got hurt in that series against Toronto, this is only the second game they've won in the NBA Finals. Yeah, but we talk about. I mean, you talk about the tons of injuries they have dealt with. Yeah, yeah. for whatever reason, though, Carlin, yeah, we yeah. keep saying that we can't assign a certain level of success to Golden State. We haven't seen
3: it. Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive can protect your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, ATV, RV, and more. In short. A lot of things. Bundle today at Progressive.com. Then there is the other issue they have, and that is with Klay Thompson right now. Mm. And even you hear them talking about it at the end of the game and the reason why Steve Kerr is leaving him on the floor is trying to get him into some kind of flow offensively. Chris, this cannot continue. This is one thing that cannot continue if the Warriors are going to win this series. Klay Thompson Cannot shoot the ball as poorly as he is right now,
2: Carlin. You know I'm not it's a, a surprise when it goes you know Now you know I'm not all about analytics and stats and all of that stuff because I don't think it tells the entire story. But this is really interesting and, and a bit of an anomaly when it comes to plus minus in the box score. The Golden State Warriors were up by as many as 29 points in this game. They end up mm-hmm. winning this game by 19 points. Clay Thompson plays 30 minutes, over 30 minutes in this game. Clay Thompson's plus-minus in a in a 20-point blowout by his team, his plus-minus was zero. Wow. Zero, Carlin. Zero. How do you have a zero plus-minus yeah. when your team wins by 20? It's rough. Up by as many as 29 points. It's rough. It's unbelievable. I mean, it was another poor shooting night. He was 4-19 from the field. He was 1-8 from three. I mean, we already acknowledge that Klay Thompson is not the defender that he once was. And you understand that with all of the injuries that he's dealt with. The ACL, the Achilles. We get it. But you still got to be a shooter. You still got to knock down open shots. And he hasn't shown the ability to consistently do that.
3: Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Up next, more on this with one of our experts who will join us in just moments. Has anything that has happened in the first two games of the NBA Finals influenced how you initially viewed this series? We'll get more of your chances to get to, more chances to get your calls in at eight 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 say ESPN as well. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny live from the Heineken River Deck at Pier Seventeen on ESPN Radio.
2: Greeny the podcast.
1: Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network.
3: Katie and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Has anything changed the mind of one of our experts on this series through the first two games? We'll get to that in 60 seconds. The Miracle on Ice, helmet catch, flu game. It's clutch moments like these that separate the winners from the losers. So in a market sometimes down 16%, 50%, 92% who's pulling off a win, well look no further than this exciting market with a global value of 1.7 trillion dollars and it's only going to get bigger. In fact, experts predict it'll grow by another 1 trillion in less than 5 years. Here's the cool thing. You don't have to be a baller or a team owner to get in on the action. All you need is a smartphone. It's not betting. This is way more impactful. Check it out. It's called Masterworks. They've already got over 400,000 members on their platform, and ESPN listeners get priority access to skip the wait list. Just go to masterworks.com, promo code Greenie. That's masterworks.com, promo code Greeny. Masterworks.com, promo code G R E. E-N-Y. See important regulation A disclosures at masterworks.io slash CD. There is no guarantee of profits and investing includes risk of loss. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Right now we welcome in ESPN senior NBA writer Andre Snellings who joins us to discuss the first two games of the NBA Finals. So I will start with that very question, Andre. Did the first two games influence how you initially felt about the NBA Finals.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. First off, I want to say, you know, we are BG. You know, um, it's time for Brittany Griner to come home. That's a great point. Uh, uh, it's It's been a
3: – you know what? We haven't talked about it enough, and it is a huge deal. LeBron tweeted about it yesterday. Instagram as well. Great point.
0: Um, Yep, and as far as this series goes – it went pretty similarly to how I thought it would. Um coming into the series. I picked the Celtics in seven. I said that I thought that the matchups favored the Celtics enough that all things being equal, I might've picked them in five, maybe six, but that the warriors, because they had so much experience and nobody on the Celtics had ever played a finals game. I thought that would be enough to win at least a game or two extra on top of, of the matchup. And so far, that's kind of how it's played out. Um, the Celtics were able to keep the game close in game one, even when Steph was going crazy. And they they stayed close long enough that when they went on their run, they were able to win in game one. But in game two, they, for one of a better way to put it, it was a close game. Everybody knew in the third quarter the Warriors were going to come out and hit hard. It seemed like the Celtics weren't ready for it. And I tweeted uh, late in the game that the Celtics were given that, hey, we did our job, we got the split, Um Let's time. Let's go home one to one type energy, and I think that's a mistake. I think that's a, um, I, I think that's an experience thing, and it's the kind of thing that could come back to haunt them because Golden State ain't going nowhere. So the Celtics have to be at their best for 48 minutes every game, and I don't think we got that yesterday.
2: Dre, a diving a little bit into the X's and O's, coming into this series, all of the NBA analysts here at ESPN made the point of how different Golden State's offense is in comparison to the rest of the league. It's more predicated on motion offense, principles, pin downs, moving the ball, a lot of guys getting touches on the offensive end. But so far in this series, we're seeing a lot more high pick and roll than we're accustomed to seeing from the Golden State Warriors. What have you seen in terms of how that's allowed Steph Curry to do what he's doing and what adjustments do the Celtics need to make in order to counteract that?
0: Yeah, so both teams have been running a lot of of, of, of pick-and-roll uh, on-ball screen action. I think some of that is the way that the refs are allowing the game to be called. It's more difficult to run that type of motion offense if the defenders are allowed to be physical and to be in their space. And I think the Warriors are running into that a lot, that outside of Steph, no one is able to create their own shot. And their motion isn't getting players open enough to hit that look, specifically Klay Thompson, because he's the secondary scorer to Steph. And as amazing as his comeback from from all of these injuries has been, it's one of the things that I've noticed. And I think he'll be better next season. He'll be another year removed from the surgeries. But his lack of explosiveness doesn't just show up on defense. It shows up. Clay was a marathon runner. Like, you would watch him. He would run off screens all day. He, he could cut and, and take that step back and get the wide open look. He's not able to do that now. He can't create that type of separation. And if he can't create the separation, they were saying in the game yesterday, it, it makes him look like everything is hurried. He's a step-too-fast trying to do everything and it's leading to miss shots is leading. If he tries to dribble um, getting to the rim, he can't finish. He's he's turning the ball over. And so with that being the case, I think they've had to lean more on Steph with that on ball pick because that's the only sure way they're able to get offense. And we saw that yesterday, the secondary scorer was Jordan Poole in that third quarter. Who's able to score more like Steph. He can also create his own uh, shot. And so one of the adjustments may be that they may have to lean on him a little bit more heavily to step into that second scorer role, um, even ahead of Clay Thompson.
3: It's Chris Carlin along with Chris Canty in for greenie on ESPN radio brought to you by Liberty mutual insurance. Liberty mutual customizes your coverage. So you only pay for what you need. We're joined by Andre Snellings, ESPN senior NBA writer. What was your take on Draymond last night? Should he have been, sus-
0: should he have been not uh, suspended, but rather ejected from the game? He shouldn't have been ejected. Um, he, he knows how to get right up to the line, and that's what he did. Now, um, I thought that that, that clip that, that you played from um, Wendy earlier was right on point, that the, the Celtics should have edged him to go just that bit further because he was right at the line. He couldn't go any further. And so, you know, Jason Tatum pulling back Jalen Brown, maybe that was a young player mistake because if Jalen pushes Draymond back the way that Draymond had just pushed him, that right there could have been enough escalation that the refs felt like they didn't have a choice but to give that double T. But as it was, the Celtics kind of let him off the hook, and and he went to the line, but I don't think
2: he went over. Dre, Draymond's postgame comments in terms of him saying he's earned preferential treatment – do you think that'll have any influence on how the officials referee the game, in particular Draymond Green, the rest of this series? Very
0: possible. I think that's an instance where he should have kept his mouth, you know. Maybe maybe he didn't have to put all of your thoughts out into the air in the post game because that's the type of thing that I can see the refs feeling like it A, makes them look bad, and B, maybe gives license to others to escalate as well. And that's something that they don't want. Um You know, J.J. Redick, uh, again on the morning shows today on ESPN, did a lot of talking about how on the court, pushing right up to the edge is who Draymond is, and that's what he needs to be able to be great. And I can see that. But this was the post-game interview. He didn't have to say that. And putting it out there the way that he did, like, hey, you know, I've earned preferential treatment, that seemed like it was tempting fate in a way that uh, might not be good for him. Andre, how do you evaluate Steph in this series so far? I think Steph's been great. I think he's doing exactly what he needs to do. Um, there, there's been a lot of conversation about being a star in your role. And for uh, for Steph Curry and the Warriors, his role is to be the main cog on offense. He's the finisher. He's also the defensive warper. And that's I think that's bigger. People look a lot of times at points per game, and you know that, that could lead to a whole conversation about Tatum and his game one versus game two. But for Steph Curry... Him scoring is important, but more than that, it's him being the threat that forces the defense to do what it doesn't want to do and then him still being able to score anyway. And that's what kind of creates, um, makes it easier for the rest of his teammates to get looks. So I think Steph's been outstanding so far.
2: Talking with ESPN senior NBA writer Andre Stellings on Greeny. And, Dre, I've got some non-finals-related NBA news. We got a Woge bomb over the weekend. Quinn Snyder deciding to step down from the Utah Jazz what does that mean for Donovan Mitchell and for Quinn Snyder moving forward?
0: Yeah, so as far as Mitchell goes, there's already been a lot of buzz that maybe he felt like things had gone as far as they could go in Utah. Um, I don't think he said anything like that publicly, but there's been speculation that, that that maybe he could have been wanting out of town already. And then after Quinn Snyder left, there's even more buzz, you know, citing sources, uh, I guess, near, uh, near Mitchell that – yeah, he's a little even more concerned than he was before. So I feel like this could be a, a where there's smoke, there's fire type thing that perhaps it could be the end of Mitchell's time in Utah or at the very least that he wants to have some conversations about what the future is going to look look like. As far as Snyder himself, he he went to a Utah team that was below 500. He made them perennial playoff contenders typically one of the best records in the NBA. They were never able to get over that hump um, to get past the second round of the playoffs. And so there's was a ceiling on what he accomplished, but he did a good job. So I'm quite sure that if he wants to coach again, he'll be able to find uh, uh, someone that, that will be well, uh, willing to welcome him in.
3: Okay, so with that in mind, if he wants to coach again this year, does anybody look at Quinn Snyder around the league and say, Quinn Snyder's an upgrade over what we have right now, and it could really help push us, maybe not over the top, but get a team to that next level. I'm thinking about teams that were rumored to be thinking about their coaching position, whether it's the Knicks, whether it's the Nets, whether it's the Sixers with Doc. Does does Quinn Snyder move that needle enough, or is he waiting out a year to find the next job?
0: I feel like he may be waiting out a year to find the next job because – if he was trying to get into this wave of coaching hires, he might have made the decision to leave a little sooner because so many of the positions, like the Lakers job just got filled last week, so many of the positions, they've already at least been looking seriously at at the direction they want to go in. And teams didn't necessarily know that he would be available. Um you, you know, you, you mentioned Doc with the 76ers or, or or the Nets. I don't think that those situations are are ones where you could say the head coach has been 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 doing so poorly that they need to upgrade right now, and 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 that, that there might be a belief that Quinn Snyder would do that. I don't personally see that in those situations, so I'm thinking he might take a year and be an analyst, and and if he wants to get back into it, be there at the start of the openings for next season.
2: Dre trying to spin this thing forward for the Utah Jazz, they now have to undergo a coaching search. How much will the front office and Justin Zanuck, his crew, be influenced? by trying to retain Donovan Mitchell in terms of what direction they go with with their next head coach?
0: Mitchell is going to be a key to whatever decision they make because either they're going to try to build around him or they're going to try to let him go and they know that there'll be uh, something that has to either replace him or there has to be a rebuild. So I think he's going to be a key factor. I I don't know for sure – that they think that they could keep him um, if they brought in the right coach, but maybe they do. I think the trend around the NBA is that former players that are able to step into the room and speak with bass in their voice, even to the star players, seems to be the way things are moving. We see what may Udoka was able to do with the Celtics. He's p- facing another former coach and Steve, I mean, another former player, in Steve Kerr in the finals. We saw Monty Williams there last year. So I would think that the Jazz might want to look around the landscape to see that type of coach that they could bring in and maybe instill the culture that they want. And if they're able to do that, then maybe that does entice Mitchell to stay. But I don't think whether Mitchell stays or goes is going to change Danny Ainge's mind as he tries to make the Jazz start to look like the Celtics team that he helped create that, oh, by the way, is in the NBA Finals right now.
3: Andre Snelling, senior NBA writer. Awesome insight as usual, bud. We appreciate it.
0: All right. Thanks for having me.
3: The road to the rematch is on as bantamweight champ Juliana Pena and former champ Amanda Nunes go head-to-head as coaches on the historic 30th season of The Ultimate Fighter. Stream the series now exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. Sign up now at ESPNplus.com. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. So now the natural question is, with Donovan Mitchell, will a team like the New York Knicks, have enough to go and get him, and in that case, bring him home. I'm trying to put together mentally what that package looks like, and it obviously includes R.J. Barrett, and that's not what anybody wants to hear.
2: No, especially when they've already made the move to hire Jalen Brunson's dad, Rick Brunson, on their their coaching staff. Like, I know that he's worked with Tibbs in the past before, and so it seems like the Knicks are just going to give a bag of cash to Jalen Brunson to have him come over and play their point guard spot. Who would you rather have? I mean, you'd rather have Donovan Mitchell. He's the better player, but you don't have to give up assets for Jalen Brunson. You're just talking about money. Mm -hmm. That allows you to retain R.J. Barrett and some of the other young pieces that you would like to see what those guys can develop into when they have a real point guard on their team. So I know Donovan Mitchell might want to come back to the New York area. He's from here. It's just – it's a situation now where you have to look at the cost-benefit. What is it going to cost us to bring over Donovan Mitchell? And then what are we going to be able to have around him? There's no question about what kind of player he is. Donovan Mitchell is a superstar. Mm-hmm. But you also have to have the requisite pieces around him in order for this team to compete at a high level. Knicks fans have lived the movie of having a superstar here and not much around him. Yeah. What has that gotten Carmelo Anthony? Well, Exactly. But Carmelo wasn't... Th- I know people, I always felt like Carmelo was a little
3: overrated in that regard because he shouldn't have been somebody that they should have been building around. He was not that guy. But, and I know what he's been capable of in his career, but this is going to be very interesting. Listen, if they get Jalen Brunson, there's no question they are going to be an infinitely better team than they have been over the last several years.
2: Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN radio and see it with the video on ESPN
3: plus also catch Greeny on get up weekday mornings at eight on ESPN and also
1: available wherever you get your podcast. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing your relationships, your skills, your customer base? How about businesses on Shopify?